Welcome everyone. I am so excited to announce our special guest with you today. Her name is Katherine Rosenfeld and I actually met her on Instagram and I saw some really amazing TikTok videos and reels that she was doing and I'm like, this girl is pretty awesome. She's speaking my language and now I don't feel so silly when I'm like, is it okay? Is it okay for me to be like a music teacher and putting a reel out on Instagram? Because there's a lot of people that are not doing that. Um, and so I'm super, super excited. Welcome, Catherine. Tell us, for those that don't know about you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I grew up singing. My parents met singing in church choir. Um, so it goes far back, the, the choral um, gene in my family. And um, I grew up singing, absolutely loved it, started taking private voice lessons in high school. And really, by the time I hit high school, I knew that um, I wanted to teach music when I grew up. And I put a lot, a lot of time and energy into um, pursuing those goals and then um, went to Northern Arizona University where I completed my undergrad. And then I graduated in December of 2019, started the job I have in January 2020. So I'm a very new teacher. Um, I teach middle school choir part time right now, also run a private voice studio and then um, sing professionally at a church as well. So kind of doing the um, little bit of everything musician thing right now. But ultimately, my heart is in the classroom. Um, so that's a, just a little bit about me. Yeah, that's awesome. And was there um, a defining moment for you when you were, because you said you decided that you wanted to go into music in high school. Was there maybe a specific teacher or a specific experience that you had that made you be like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life? Um, I think that my story is more a lot of little moments that were like that for me. I really loved singing and even kind of started talking about uh, wanting to teach music as early as elementary school. So my parents put me in piano lessons right away. I hated them. <laughs> uh, I did not see the connection as to why I needed that. And now I do. And um, so lots of little experiences. I sang with the Phoenix Children's Chorus that um, actually tours internationally. And so those experiences of singing um, all over the world and kind of seeing the way that music is just a great way to connect people who have almost nothing else in common was really, really cool to me. And I think just lots and lots of those little moments solidifying that I was on the right track um, and lots and lots of influential teachers. It would be hard to name one who um, was really the driving force, which is such a, a huge blessing to have that many teachers and moments that uh, led me to where I am now. For sure. Was there a specific experience that you had in choir that made you say, oh, I love choir. Choir is what I want to do. I want to teach. Or maybe it was a specific piece that you did and that you just fell in love with. Um, so I know it is very basic, but I do know that the first time I remember really, really loving choral music was a recording that my dad was on with a choir he sang in in Santa Barbara. And it was the Lords in Omani Mysterium. And I just remember that piece sticking out to me all the way back to elementary school, um, just really, really loving that recording. I still visit that same um, recording of that piece probably once a year. I just, I love it. And that definitely was like the piece for me very early, identifying that this is a really cool thing. And then from there, just the community in a choir, I think kept me 
on the on the path. That's awesome. That's awesome. And let's talk a little bit about your experience as a music major. What was that experience like for you? And did you feel like there were struggles or pain points along the way? And then segueing into, do you feel like there are missing pieces from music programs or things that you're like, I really wish that they would teach this in those degree programs? Right. Absolutely. Well, um, I had a really great experience majoring in music. I was very, very busy um, the whole time, but it was really wonderful. I had a great relationship with my private voice teacher, as well as with the choral faculty, which sometimes can be challenging depending on the school. Um, If those two departments don't quite see eye to eye on technique and all that sort of stuff happens a little bit, but we, I just had a really great experience through all of college. I do feel like though, as soon as I got into the real world, there were things that were, I mean, there's not time to learn everything. And there's almost a part of me that wishes future Catherine could have told me like really focus in on these things and these things not quite as much because you can't give all of your energy to all the things you're learning. And I feel like not even necessarily always gaps in the program, but gaps in what I really zeroed in and focused in on and versus what I maybe should have. Um, But I wish that there had been better preparation for, and I know this is a lot of what your philosophy kind of works on, but that business side of things, just filing, I'm gonna have to figure out how to file as like an independent contractor for the first time this year for my taxes. Um, all that sort of thing, I think, would be very, very helpful. And I think just anyone in the music industry should have some of that music business um, experience and understanding. So that I would definitely say. And then additionally, I think that learning um, styles are having a little bit more exposure to styles other than bel canto singing. I now have voice students who want to work primarily on like pop and indie or who want maybe need help getting away from that belt a little bit, but I never belted. So it's hard for me to coach someone towards or away or whatever, because I am self-taught and all that sort of stuff. So I think those are probably stuck, stick out as the big gaps in my mind. For sure. Sometimes it seems like there's just a very one track path in, in music ed. And I, I was music performance, so I didn't, I don't know exactly about the music ed, but it was just like, okay, well, you have to perform at the Met or else you haven't made it. Instead of thinking like, wow, look at this amazing degree that you can have and all of these crazy things that you can do with it and how it's so subjective. Like my reality is different than your reality, which is different than this person's reality. And and there's just, I think, so much more that we can have. And instead of feeling like the box is closed and like this is the path and you just have to sing these these art songs or bel canto or um, arias. And, and that's the style that you're going to. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that and brought that up. Um, let's talk a little bit about your job with your students and middle schoolers. A lot of people would be like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could handle teaching middle schoolers. So let's talk a little bit about what do you love about them? What struggles do you have? Um, Let's just talk all about that. It's really hard for me to separate, especially when we talk about struggles. Um, What's a struggle because the majority of my teaching career has been online and what's a struggle with the age group? So I'll do my best to speak to that, but it's still so new for me. Um, I think that all through college, I said that I would be open to middle school. Um, I just, I didn't want to consciously close that off. I had friends who were like elementary or high school or just the big high school job. You know, that's what I want. And I was like, I I don't think I'd hate middle. Like, I don't want to say I'd love it, but I don't think I'd hate it. So I knew I was always open to it, which made me think like, that's more than a lot of people can say. So I got to start there and see how that goes. And uh, a student taught high school for eight weeks and middle for eight weeks. And I loved both experiences for very different reasons. And when this middle school job opened up, it really felt like 
such a good fit. Um, they are such a fun age group and you kind of get elements of that general music. I can do something with like a basic ostinato or something under it and like put uh, something together really quickly the way you might in an elementary classroom building something up. And then I can also work rep with them because they're ensembles. Um, it's just a little bit of both. And then personality wise, you get a little bit of both too, right? You have kids who are a little bit younger and you get to see them kind of grow and mature. And then they can all, especially I've seen with COVID and all of the crazy things happening just in our world today, I've seen them grow up in a matter of seconds and have really, really um, deep and heartfelt conversations and express themselves really eloquently. And so I think just that balance um, is really, really cool with that age group. And I would encourage any education students listening to not write off any age group as I would never do this until you give it a try, right? Give it a try because middle schoolers are awesome and more people should realize. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. I love it. Uh, let's talk a little bit now about segueing into your TikTok and your online presence. And when did you start that? And how did that begin? And what made you feel like that was something that you wanted to do? Hi, I'm Chelsea Melcher. I'm an opera singer that started a music school with my husband, Paul. Now, I also love helping stressed out moms that are performers and voice teachers and have a family find balance and fulfillment in their life. You can expect to see all sorts of things from me going from performing, teaching, balancing, and everything in between. I'm really excited to share with you a project that I've been working on called Nerves Be Gone Academy. It's finally ready and I'm super excited to share it with you. How it started is it has broken my heart to see students with so much potential, so much talent, and then they get in their heads, they self-sabotage and everything just goes out the window. All of their training, all of their talent, they're not performing to their fullest potential because they get in their heads and we can play these crazy mental games with ourselves that can wipe all of the prep out the window. And so what I started to do is I've used techniques that I've used with myself and in teaching myself how to have more confidence, how to manage performance anxiety. And then what I did is I organized them and the tips that I use with my students, I put them all together in a course. And so that course is available now, an online course, so you can do it at your own time. There's video lessons and there's supported PDF documents that go with each lesson. And those can be yours now. It's called nervesbegoneacademy.com. So if this is something that, if I'm speaking your language here, if you are a performer and you want to manage your performance anxiety, or if you just want to have more confidence in general, or if you're a voice teacher, but you want a proven method that has worked with other students from another voice teacher, then go check it out because these techniques have been proven. I've used them on myself and I've also used them with my students and I can see them going from absolute basket cases to there's been students that actually had to run off the stage because they were so nervous and it just everything fell apart on the stage. And then throughout working with them on these techniques, they went on to get solos, to get leading roles. And I can just, I watch them on the stage now and I'm like, wow, I'm so proud. I could not be more proud of you. And so go to nervesbegoneacademy.com if this is something that you are interested in. Yeah, so I've talked about this a little bit um, on another podcast I was on recently, and it really was so circumstantial. I downloaded the app early quarantine because I thought that's 
that's what my students were filling their time with. You know, everyone was home. No one had a plan. We didn't all have puzzles yet to do at home. Like we just didn't have things to do. And all my kids were on TikTok. So I downloaded the app just as a means of something to talk about when we logged on Zoom in this weird alternate universe we were living. And then I had made a couple videos and then very quickly ended up on the teacher side of TikTok and started seeing all these other educators who either had been on the app for a while or who had hopped on during quarantine for the same reason that I did. And just kind of started connecting with people that way and started making content. My account was very small. It's still considered really, really small <laughs> compared to some of the other bigger um, teacher accounts out there. But started making friends with a lot of people and really felt this like sense of teacher community as well as connecting with my students. And it just was kind of a fun thing to do. It still is for me, just creative and goofy and shows my students a piece of my personality that I think they would see in the classroom, but they might not be getting right now as much over Zoom. It's been a really, really cool way um, for them to just see me and know me in ways that I think are really, really hard for teachers to do with their students right now. So I think that's what kept me. And then a few months into having TikTok um, was going to be part of like a collaboration with some other teachers. And as that rounded the corner, I decided it was probably um, a good time as any to start a teacher Instagram. So then I started that over the summer um, and then usually double my reels there and then also post um, any educational things that I've come up with, any activities, games, I have little story highlights. So that kind of leans a little bit more professional. Um, and that was the, the weird way that I ended up having a teacher social media presence. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. And what would you say to someone that feels afraid to put themselves out there that maybe they're a teacher and they're like, oh, I see the importance of this. However, this is very scary. And what if I, what if people don't like it? Or um, what if people think I'm stupid? Or what would you say to someone like that? I do think that it's a really unique um, niche and it's like a fun thing to do. And if, if it's something that you're doing because you're, you think you should be doing it or because you think it's important, I, I don't know that it is important enough uh, for for that sort of, I mean, obviously the connection and all that sort of thing and posting, having some sort of social media account. But I know that a lot of people do get embarrassed by the idea of like TikTok and all that stuff. And I can't say that my students don't poke fun at me for it um, and all that sort of stuff. So I think if, if you want to do it and it's going to be fun for you, it's going to be a cool way to connect with educators and, and you want that and you are willing to potentially subject yourself to your kid. You know, you're really putting yourself out there. And so your kids are gonna see it. I um, encourage kind of the like fun uh, roasting back and forth with my students. That's part of our dynamic with or without TikTok. And so I knew I could handle any sort of poking fun. But I do think that's something to consider, right? Are, is your personality such that that would really like offend you or if your TikToks don't do well, that that you'll place some piece of your worth in that. Like I said, my account is still very small compared to most of my friends and it's truly a hobby and a cool way to connect with people. I don't really care about how many people, but just that, you know, connections like you and I finding each other are the reason. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Have you ever felt insecure or worried about when you put something out there? You're like, oh my gosh, how is this going to do? Or is it just kind of like, I don't really care? I mean, how do you handle that? And maybe the insecurities that might come with that? 
Yeah, so I think I have, especially as a as a performer and a musician, a lot of insecurities in um, things that I know that I have training in and all these sort of stuff, right? You want to like really prove yourself in those ways. And I just, that does not transfer in my brain to TikTok. Like it's such a removed hobby in my brain that if something doesn't do well, the occasional comment will hurt, right? So if I'm watching my numbers and those aren't doing well, I kind of, it rolls off my back. It's not (laughs) that important to me. But every once in a while, someone will say a comment that's, you know, targeted enough or specific enough that they took the time to say something unkind or unhelpful or come for some piece of my like teaching philosophy that they are perceiving from the video. That's the kind of stuff that kind of gets under my skin. But as far as the performance of an overall TikTok, I I don't care about that. That doesn't transfer you. And how, let's talk a little bit about negative comments, because I think that that can, for some people that can be very paralyzing and they can put an element of their value or their self-worth into that. And how, how do you handle negative comments if you get them? Well, the first time it started happening, the first time I had a video kind of start to take off, I actually took the video down. Um, It was not fun to feel attacked and it coming for a very specific thing that was not the point of the video at all. I never put anything out there that I think is controversial enough to stir the pot or anything like that. It's usually so um, just objectively silly, whether it's your brand of silly or not, (laughs) right? Not everyone likes it, but it's usually not something that would spark any sort of controversy and I had one that accidentally did and the comments were so presumptuous and so hurtful and um coming in waves and so that one I just took the video down it was the first time that had ever happened to me and from from there on out that was really when I started making all these friends and connections with people and I just saw that there was a line of people who are on TikTok or on really any social media platform to connect with people and find really cool people. And then there are always trolls. There are always people who are just there to be unkind. And so now it really rolls off my back. But I wouldn't have traded that experience because I think a lot of educators right, were aware that bullying is something that happens to our students. But being anonymous on the internet and having the power to bully people was a something I had never experienced. I had never felt like that um, ever in my life. You know, if someone you know looks you in the eyes and says something unkind, it hits very differently than all of these, the, you know, the magnitude and the unkindness with the anonymous through the screen. And I think that having experienced just a tiny taste of that um, really helps me when my students say that they're struggling with something like that, or they have some sort of social media presence where they're getting bullied. It it feels so different than face-to-face bullying. Oh, for sure. And what would you, how do you go through that with your students? If you had a student that said they're getting bullied online, how would you help them through that? So I know of a few minor cases and they have been really challenging to be a presence. I think one of the hardest things with teaching online is that you don't have those asides, you don't have those little moments. So calling students in to like my office hours to talk about things like that doesn't seem appropriate right now. If a student comes to me with some sort of issue, um, I help them through it, but I actually haven't had like large scale things like that happen this year that I've been actively involved in just because of the nature of um, quarantine. But I just in general, I'm never, someone who's gonna 
hold any secrets if I think that something I've been through will help someone else. So just using like, I actually kind of know what that feels like. And then going from there, I think is how I would do that. For sure. For sure. I think that's, it's so fantastic that you bring that point up because there does seem to be a disconnect sometimes between teachers and students in that way of like, well, they have no idea what I'm going through. And so it really helps you empathize in that way. So that's amazing. Um, let's talk about your audience on TikTok. Did you intentionally build an audience or try to strategize with hashtags or things? Or is it just kind of like you find inspiration from other things and then you put yourself out there and the growth happens organically? Are you planning to continue to grow your account? How, how is that like for you? What's that process like? So I started with just my name as my handle and then really was, wasn't sure how the app worked or how I was going to like zero in and focus content. I had no thoughts in that way. And when I really saw that so many teachers had kind of marketed themselves as like teacher content, I started going that direction. And then I pull in like really music specific content and that brings in like a music major audience a little bit more. And I think that that is especially connecting with the music stuff because there's so many teachers on TikTok that that can kind of be a wash and get lost in that. And then it really is, in my opinion, like very, very, very cool to find other musicians to connect with. So I think that that has been fun lately is like leaning into more music specific stuff than teacher stuff. Um, And I know my students all watch it. So every once in a while, you know, it'll almost be something educational for them if I'm talking about music stuff in a silly way on TikTok. And um, definitely use uh, specific hashtags to the audience that I think that TikTok would do well with. So my following is kind of a mix. Um, I still will be posting. And if that grows my account, that's awesome. If my account stays stagnant, but the same people are consistently enjoying my content, that's also awesome. So (laughs) that is. And where do you come up with the inspiration that you come up because you have so many creative things. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. And how would how would you think of this organically? Where where does those uh, where do those inspirations come from? So there are always trends going on, um, audios that are really popular, or you know, dances, or putting your own spin on a specific sort of scenario. There's the how things would walk trend going on right now. Um, and which is just so silly, but <laughs> I did it with music notation. So just taking whatever's going on and focusing it in for music or sometimes coming up with an original idea. I try to not put pressure on how often I post because I really just want it to be like, if I think of something funny, then I'll post something funny. And if I don't think of something funny that day, I'm not going to post anything. So um, I don't put any pressure. That's probably why my account hasn't grown as much as no pressure to like do the same sort of thing consistently all the time. Um, and just doing something when I think of it and every once in a while the internet thinks it's funny. So (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. And do you plan, do you continue to think about having more of an online presence, doing more things online? Has this kind of opened a box for you where you're like, Oh, look at all these things that I could do. I do feel that way. Um, I have another phone call later today with a friend and mentor who's been a big presence in the choir social media place for a while. And we're just going to talk about some ideas we have. And I don't have a huge audience, but I think that some of the people I reach, um, especially music ed students during COVID, 
Um, it's just been a really cool way to see that people just need that motivation and need to see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is, for me, it doesn't feel like a light, right? Teaching in a pandemic online is not the dream, but I um, am real about it in my social media presence and I'm honest about it. And I do find like really, really good moments um, throughout and try to share that. And I, I think that that has helped me connect with a lot a lot of people, a lot of really, really amazing educators and future educators. And so I think that it's definitely something I'm going to keep up. It's never the center of my focus, um, but it has benefits and I, I'm really enjoying it. So I think for as long as I'm enjoying it, I'll keep posting TikToks and reels and answering music major DMs on Instagram. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And do you have any fun stories of maybe some embarrassing moments or maybe some video flops? I know you shared about the, the first one that you ended up having to take down, but do you have any sort of stories like that for people that maybe haven't put themselves out there? I think that they enjoy hearing like, it's not always going to be perfect or um, and things like that to give them a little sense of reality and a little more confidence to if they feel encouraged or inspired to do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So not every video is going to do well. And I could do something that I think is really funny and then end up taking it down or deciding that I'm just going to private it or whatnot. A lot of times if I'm on the fence, I will send it to a friend and say, like, is this the dumbest thing you've ever seen or should I post it? And I have had friends tell me, like, I think that might be the dumbest thing that you've ever done. So if you have those friends who will be honest with you and not let you cross the line because TikTok it feels like such a weird alternate space. But when you're using it as sort of um, quasi-professional, you don't want to, and I mean, I would never talk about certain topics, but some people just do things that are so weird. And if that video happened to do really well, and then I'm known as the video who did, or the girl who did like X weird thing on TikTok, right? So <laughs> I just try to be mindful and um, know that my students are gonna watch it and all that sort of thing. But definitely I've had ones where I thought it was such a good idea and then I go to start filming it and it just was not funny or didn't work or I'll film part of something in public and someone will like make fun of me for filming a TikTok in public and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh no, we really, we really appreciate you and everything that you're doing on, on the social media platforms. I know for me, it's helpful because I'm like, okay, I'm not alone. I, there's a lot of, um, I am, I'm friends with a lot of opera singers and it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of that going on. But then I look at music education, music educators and I'm like, okay, there's, there's more of this. And then I see you and I'm like, okay, I'm all right. I'm totally fine. So I appreciate you making me feel like I have some backup and like, I'm not alone, um, on the, the internet and everything. So um, thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us today in this. Is there anything more that you want people to know about you or any messages that you have for our audience? Thank you so much for having me on. I think just um, remember that the season we're in right now is temporary and that we can find ways to make music and to bring joy into each other's lives um, throughout all of this. So um, I think that we have found each other's accounts and that has been a sor source of joy for both of us. And there are just ways to um, make the best of what's going on right now in the world. So hang in there, everybody. Awesome. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you. I want you to imagine what it would be like if you had so much focus, so much zen, so much peace, so much calmness 
and so much excitement at the same time before performance. As in, like, you're not getting in your head, you're not freaking out, you're not becoming a basket case, or you're not a hot mess. So if you feel like sometimes that is you, imagine what it would feel like if that wasn't the case, if that wasn't a problem anymore. It would be pretty awesome, right? So what is the first step to that? Working with your mindset. So if this is something that's of interest to you, I recommend going to stopcaringwhatthethink.com. If you're a performer and you want to have more confidence, if you want to get out of your head, these are tips and tricks that I'm offering to you for free. It's a free resource that can help you have more confidence to manage that anxiety and just to feel like you can enjoy life again. You can enjoy performing. That's what it's all about, right? So stopcaringwhatthethink.com. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope that you enjoyed it and learned something. Don't forget to like it and subscribe to the channel. I post new videos every Wednesday and a new podcast every Friday.